<laughs> How do I sound? Great. Great? You sound great. <laughs> Okay, I'll take it. Well, you know, I've been busy uh, getting out um, my my Denver Bronco logo decals. Do you want to know why? Yes, I do. I'm very excited about their new quarterback, a young man named Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> is that is that still in the works? I think it. I think it will happen. Um... Green Bay will save like $14 million if they uh, trade him or release him after June 1st. Okay. So we still got 20 days to wait it out. Not that, no, not that I'm saying when the date is, but right now. We've got some time. Um, who's Green Bay got in the, in the queue? That's part of the the concern i think that that's been part of why aaron Rodgers is so upset last year i think it was last year green bay used their first round draft pick to draft a quarterback that nobody had ever heard of before uh i think his name is like his last name is love i can't remember his first name and Aaron Rodgers is probably like, my window is closing. Why don't you draft some high-powered wide receiver or tight end or maybe an offensive lineman or something? Johnny Love? Uh, John E. Love. Yeah, that's it. Dr. John E. Love? Is that from uh, a TV show? Is that no, from a TV show? No, uh, John, Dr. Johnny Fever was from oh, the KRP in Cincinnati. Um I remember, I, so we were st I, we were still in Denver when um, the Broncos, uh, well, Dan Reeves, uh, drafted touchdown Tommy Maddox, mm -hmm. and that was uh, viewed as the first uh, step towards uh, the post-John Elway period, and... Um, Tommy Maddox, I think, was in due course shipped to Cleveland. Uh, I think he bounced around for a little while. And then he finally ended up in Pittsburgh, where he had a little bit of a resurgence. Really? Uh, uh huh. He, I think that he. Like between uh, Nora O'Donnell and, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger? remember of Nora O'Donnell. Neil o Neil Neil McDonough. The big dumb baby head. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he I think he actually won a playoff game or maybe even two. Really? Mm-hmm. So would you would you say that Tommy Maddox was his uh physically gifted as say Tim Tebow? No. Also, I don't know how Tommy Maddox stands on the baby Jesus. Okay, so uh, here we go. He, he became the uh, starting quarterback in the Steelers in 2002, led them to uh, the playoffs and then won the comeback player of the year. And then he lost his starting position to Ben Roethlisberger in 2004. And uh, he was a backup on the team when they won a Super Bowl. No kidding. Yep. So he's got a ring. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Touchdown, Tommy Maddox. Well, we, re <laughs> we really cover the relevant stuff here on the Managing Expectations podcast. You know, I, there's probably a handful of our listeners that woke up this morning and were like, 
you know, this situation with Aaron Rodgers reminds me of something that happened a little while ago. I wonder whatever happened to that guy who was drafted to be the heir apparent to John Elway. Dude, that means, I mean, because that had to be like in the early 90s that he was, I mean, I was still in Denver, so it was before 95. That means that Tommy Maddox was in the league for almost 10 years. He was drafted in 92. And then can you imagine 14 years later? That guy's still in the league. Amazing. Amazing. I wonder what he's doing now. Is he coaching? Or he's he's probably like uh, the sportscaster for uh, a mid a mid market city. I'm gonna guess. I, yeah, he's probably not. He's probably too much of a pretty boy for Cleveland. Uh, he was Omaha. Assist- Omaha. He, w- he was the assistant coach for Grapevine High School baseball team that won the five A Texas state championship. Is he a Texas guy? So it looks like here. Yeah. Well, no, Grapevine is is just uh, west of us. Uh, let's see here. But you said baseball? Baseball. Baseball. Oh, uh, it's more of a future, and it isn't. Uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. That's where oh, he was no born. kidding. Yep. Went, but went to, to high school in Texas. Where? Hearst. Hearst? L.D. Bell High School in Hearst, Texas. Okay, so Hearst is uh, considered a mid-city. It's between Fort Worth and uh, the airport, the DFW International Airport. So you go through H-E-B. You go through Hearst, Euless, Bedford, and um, uh, on the way to the airport. And so that's all in Tarrant County, which is uh west of us here in um on the dallas side of things wow he's practically he's practically a neighbor i guess i guess yeah well you know what look i stand corrected and and part of managing expectations brian 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 (laughs) is not (laughs) is knowing yes 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 jess what is it (laughs) Uh, it's, um, uh, you know, it's admitting when you're wrong. So, uh, uh, listen to all of, uh, Tommy Maddox's, uh, friends and relatives, uh, on behalf of the Managing Expectations podcast, I say, producer Jack, hit it. Howdy. Welcome to Managing Expectations episode. Mm, it doesn't really matter anymore, but it's like 54. It's out there. It's like Heinz 54. And uh, um, I'm your host, Jeff Winger. With me, as always, is the aide de camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. How you doing today, Buster? You know, uh, I'm feeling pretty good being here with you. You know, today, today is the Monday and you know, there's things that come with Mondays. Ups it and is downs. the Monday. The Monday comes between the Sunday and the Tuesday. <laughs> today is the Monday. And, uh, but it's good to be with you and, uh, to talk about some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I haven't had, uh, this is like our, our own little therapy thing that we do. How's that working for you? We, t- we talk it out. We work it out. <laughs> is that like from uh, Friday Night Lights or something? I don't know what that's from. It's okay. probably some, something, something I heard one time that just stuck, stuck in there. Um, so we... Uh, um, yeah, it, I, well, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about old, old football or old anything else. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, I was hoping to, I, I, I was, 
hoping to spend probably 35 to 45 minutes on Blake Bortles. But... <laughs> what, uh, what was the name? What was the name? Who? Oh, um, uh, Bubby Brister. Bubby Brister is another one. No, I, listen, if, if we wanted to, see, I had to, uh, so the, ki uh, the kids, uh, the, young, the young men, the 30-year-olds that I work with, um, uh, they think about the, uh, like there's a 49er fan. And he actually has uh, some bitter memories of the 49ers because they've lost big games in his lifetime. But when I was his age, all the 49ers ever did was win and win big and win in fantastic, amazing ways. And um, so I, um, what was I trying to, what was I trying to say? Uh, you, you know, just because this is a line from the West Wing, okay? Um, there's, there's a line in the West Wing where um, uh, uh, President Martin Sheen is saying that they say that the hardest thing in sports is hitting a round ball with a, with a round bat, right? But he said that he talked to a coach once and he said that the hardest thing in sports was being down in the Super Bowl when everything you've done to achieve success throughout the year to get you there is not working. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's that. I don't, I don't know that Aaron Sorkin was thinking of the Denver Broncos, but he certainly could have been. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, I was thinking of that time when, um, oh yeah, one of the guys is a, is a Raider fan too. It's amazing how many Raider fans I've found common cause with um, in spite of them being battery throwing thugs. Um, but uh, um, I, 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 I don't know if you remember it, but there was this, uh, you know, the, because, because John Elway was such a uniquely gifted athlete as the quarterback. He did things with an average running back, uh, undersized wide receivers, and the team continued to succeed in spite of not having a great defense frequently. They were better, they were better on the front line. They were better, they were best as in the linebacking core. But then uh, their safeties were good, but the cornerbacks always got beat. Mm -hmm. and, and I was I was telling him this story about Charlie Waters, who is um, a real uh, Dallas fixture. He was with the Cowboys in the Landry years. Um, it was Charlie Waters who got beat by Dwight Clark uh, for the famous catch at Candlestick Park, which um, began. Uh, the the Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, Roger Craig dynasty of the eighties uh, and nineties. Uh, so Charlie Waters, uh, being a Dallas guy, got a job as if not the defensive coordinator, then at least the backfield coordinator uh, under Dan Reeves in Dallas. I'm sorry, in Denver, and uh, the Raiders were just lighting him up. I mean, it was just speed kills. I think they had Tim Brown. Um, they had, what was the name of that other amazing, I don't know that they needed another one. Tim Brown was just an extraordinary uh, wide receiver. And yeah. Uh, yeah, they had Tim Brown, and then they had a guy who was just a, maybe a notch beneath him as far as ability but would have been a tremendous receiver on any other team that didn't have tim brown right right so there was nothing that charlie waters could do there was no play he could call there was nothing that he could do and there's just i i just remember it as 
uh, like it happened yesterday, uh, Charlie Waters uh, captured by the cameraman on the sidelines with his hands on his knees, just like looking down. I mean, he just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he was a, a beaten man, you know, for all time, but on that particular day, there was nothing he could do to snatch victory. I mean, and is, you know, and it, it, if it wasn't a playoff game, I think what it was, was, maybe the last game of the season, this is back in the olden days when um, a Denver Bronco Raider game um, was a kind of a big deal. Yeah. It always had implications for the, that's postseason. right. That's right. And, and so if it wasn't in fact a playoff game, it was the last game of the season and one of the teams was going to the playoffs and the other one was going to take the rest of the year off. Mm -hmm. Denver took the rest of the year off. So uh, anyway, uh, those guys didn't really know who, didn't know about that, didn't know who Charlie Waters was. You know, you got to explain everything to these kids. You know, it's like, I mean, you know, uh, uh, it's like it's like me not knowing who who Vince Lombardi was, you know, or or George Hallis. I mean, some stuff happened before I was born. I've taken it upon myself to learn about it. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said about what Aaron Sorkin said about, you know, the, one of the hardest things in sports. Okay. Uh, it, it reminded me of something that Tommy Lasorda said, and I think he said it on one of Jim Rome's radio shows, but he. Romy uh, Rome. First Romy, for a long time. He was talking about um, baseball uh, versus golf. He said, People talk about how hard it is to play golf, but everyone has to be quiet when the guy lines up to, to hit a ball. The, the ball is, is stationary. It's sitting right there, and the guy just has to go up there and hit it. Baseball, you've got somebody who's throwing 100 miles an hour, and you have no idea where that ball is going to end up, and you've got to try to take a wooden bat and, and hit it in the other direction. And, uh, you know, Tommy Lasorda, he's obviously a little bit biased towards baseball, but um, I thought that was pretty good. It is. That is a good, that is a good point. Um, uh, you know, I wonder, you know, the thing that I think about golf is that it weeds out the chokers from the guys who are just got nerves of steel mm -hmm. because everybody's quiet, but everybody's looking at you. I mean, in a way, I think I would rather be heckled than like have everybody <laughs> quietly staring in anticipation about my next move. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, hold a pin up in front of me, shake it next to John 316, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, okay, well, I, you know, clear the mechanism, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but have, you, know, you, you can hear a pin drop. Right. And then that's just like me by myself. That's me alone with my thoughts. <laughs> well, I, I didn't have to come out here on, 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 the, on the putting green to be alone with my thoughts. Thanks very much. As as uh, longtime listeners of managing expectations are fully aware, um, me being alone with my thoughts is one of the worst things that could happen. That might be hard to hit a golf ball with sure. you and your you and what, your thoughts. Oh, what what's the point? What what's what's the point of sinking this putt? We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if if that's what the, the world's top golfers I don't know if they're coached. <laughs> <laughs> so through that through that exercise about their own mortality <laughs> what have i achieved i've wasted my life doing in the sweater out here <laughs> uh, here i am a daily john daly-esque figure I'm trying an athlete. to trying to putt i'm an athlete i don't look like an athlete but I take that back. Those the, the golfers these days are totally ripped. I mean, yeah. Where 
did I did I drop that on our last recorded recording when I, I just saw uh, a quote from John Cruck, the baseball player. He said, uh, "I'm not an athlete. I I play baseball for a living." <laughs> uh, John Cruck uh, is, um, shall we say, a um, endomesomorph type. Is that safe to say? I imagine like a a walrus with a mullet. <laughs> I remember when the when the Phillies were good and they were in the World Series, and my dad and I were would watch. Yeah. You know that I can't even remember who's an American League team that they were playing up against. Um, but man, they had some characters on on that team. Uh, John Cruck, Lenny Dykstra. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Darren. The, the, the others. The other, the other guys. The, Ooh, those what, other characters. Mitch Williams. Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt. Hmm. No? Okay. No, maybe till too early. Yeah, okay. Mitch Williams was the, the, the guy. They Cocaine out. Mitch. Yeah, yeah. He, he, had, he had a mullet. <laughs> Okay, it was the early 90s, as I recall. So a lot of people had a mullet. Not me, but a lot of people did. I think I, I think I only had a rat tail at that at that point. You never had a rat tail. <laughs> Your old man wouldn't have stood for it. What what would Gary have done if you had showed up with a rat tail? Uh, he probably would have shaken his head in disgust and then gone out into the backyard and smoked a cigarette and worked on the sprinklers. <laughs> uh, an American legend. Uh, come back inside, reminded you that your wife, your, uh, your mother loves you very much and she's going to talk to you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that, that's about it. And that's when the trouble started. <laughs> yeah so um you were talking about uh uh today's athletes being ripped and i was I, I was thinking that even like watching a little bit of hockey this year by the way go winnipeg um uh um david wells was a heavyweight and he um was a pitcher for the new york yankees and Bob Costas said, uh, I remember, I remember this because it really spoke to me. It really spoke to my heart. He said that David Wells is a hero to every man who's ever said, why, yes, I will have a second piece of pie <laughs> and make mine a la mode. <laughs> Are you familiar with uh, uh, Bartolo Colon? Uh, he, he bounced around the league. He was a pitcher for the Mets. Probably was his his last stop. I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about it. Another uh, portly pitcher. Um, and I think that like David oh, Wells. We prefer I th puckish. <laughs> I think like David Wells, he too, I don't know if he has a perfect game, but I think he's thrown a no-hitter. Really? Mm-hmm. And he also has a home run and he was terrible with the bat. Like anytime he was on a, a national league team, it's like, it's like you handed, I don't know. It's like you handed a, like, a pink, like, like, like an emperor penguin, a baseball bat. His manager just said, listen, just take the out. We're not going to. We're not even going to go through yeah, the we, exercise. We, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to. We, we don't want to. We don't want him to feel undue stress and anxiety. Um, yeah, well, you know, right. And, you know, there's guys like uh, David Ortiz was a heavyweight. Um, but that they, they seem to be not um uh fitness and um 
you know, weight training and probably cardio. I don't know, by the way, Mrs. Winger must have hit a thrift store because I was doing the laundry the other day and I pulled out a tank top that said, cardio is hardio. Hmm. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. Though, though um, uh, I mean, it's as theoretical for Mrs. Winger as it is for me. Yeah. Uh, Bartolo Colon listed 5'11", 285. <laughs> Attaboy. Uh, Tell you what, where is he from? Is he Dominican? Dominican, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he could be seven years older than what his official age is what no, no. <laughs> yeah 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 he's 47 in dominican years <laughs> canceled <laughs> oh man okay um yeah so uh bob costas uh, is a really smart guy mm -hmm. uh, who made his bones um, as a sportscaster. He's a St. Louis guy. Uh, I, I, I may have talked about some of this a year ago, maybe when Pete Pete Jans was on our uh, was on the podcast um, that I did solo because you were doing something important like business or family i hope that our listeners could hear my air quotes is that air quotes or is that disdain not like tough to tell the difference uh they were air quotes okay uh to mark my disdain oh got it <laughs> no i don't dude i don't i don't begrudge you i know, fa I know. Fa family or business business a little bit because you know i mean being a successful self-employed person, uh, you really should be able to control your schedule a lot more than you do. You'd think. <laughs> you're, you know, you masters of the universe uh, should just be able to uh, whatever. Have your executive assistant reschedule. Just have, got, some, I, have some self-discipline and gotta, schedule all the important stuff in the morning and leave the afternoons open for, for other podcasting. For podcasting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bob Costas was a St. Louis guy and a baseball guy, but he made, he, I mean, he was a fixture on NBC, uh, on the Olympics and football. But as he approached retirement age, as, you know, whether he was hanging it up or they were hanging him up, um, he became, you know, more, more vocal about his concern about football. Um, you know, I think, I think, um, it was on Jim Rome. He, he talked about, um, uh, you know, how, how football can be, you know, beautiful and elegant, but it is at its core. Uh, very violent and some of the hits that people give and take um, are not na you know, natural. George Will, George Will um, says that, you know, the, the brain, the human brain rests in a pan and it sloshes around. If you hit it around too much, you know, it causes, causes damage. Now, uh, the, 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 I think I can't remember who said it, but the, the best way that it was explained to me is an egg inside of a shell. Is that if you oh. j jostle it too much, the yolk will break inside of the shell. Yeah, that's a shame. Okay. Um, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I grew up on football and I've said it before, but but I mean, anyway, I mean, Bob Costas has made 
millions of dollars on football and and now that he's on his way out you know he's he's saying what he really thinks and uh i'm not sure that that's a you know a, a morally or intellectually courageous thing but you know on the other hand better late than never and i do think that bob costas is a is a very intelligent highly literate fellow mm-hmm. and you know hopefully he, he stays after it, you know? I, I mean, there's a guy who I would love to see as a commissioner of baseball. Yep. Uh, I have no idea who the actual, I, I stopped paying attention after, there was like the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, Brewers, um, uh, Bud Selig. Mm-hmm. was his name and he mm-hmm. he became i mean you know so that's you know that's a conflict of interest right when you got an owner also serving as the the commissioner of the of the game it seems nah. to me nah. it seems to me that's I mean, fine <laughs> i mean i miss that day in uh sports collective bargaining in law school yeah but it seemed like a conflict of interest. Anyway, I don't know who it is now. Rob Rob Manfred. Okay, is he the guy who kind of looks like Scott Van Pelt, which is to say, uh, abnormally tall and you're, bald. you're thinking you're thinking of Adam Silver, who is alien esque Scott Van Pelt. Okay, so that this has already been covered by somebody faster and smarter and more LinkedIn. No, Mm-mm. you just came up with alien esque Scott Van Pelt. Mm-hmm. That was you? <laughs> you didn't get that from somebody? You made that up? Really? Uh, Sarah tells us, tell, will tell a story that when we first got married, that she would say something hilarious. And she says that I would say this frequently, but I have no recollection of it. But she would say something hilarious. And I'd look at her and say, huh, where did you hear that? Now I know how that feels, man. I'm going to ask, I'm going to say really to you because it is inconceivable to me that you would come up with something so clever so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the podcast for my uh, other qualities. Uh, just in case you're having trouble with the subtext. So, okay. So Alan Silver. Uh, Adam Silver is the commissioner of, of the NBA. Okay. Okay. And that's, and, and he took over for uh, David Stern was the previous commissioner. And I think David Stern had a salary of like $45 million a year. <laughs> Can you imagine Kind of, because the NBA grew by leaps and bounds under Stern. It's fantastic. (laughs) So when I was writing for the newspaper in uh, Portland, uh, the the trailblazers went to Japan to play a game against somebody, I don't know, and I had a telephone interview. It actually, it wasn't really even an interview. Uh, I called the, uh, the announcer for the Trailblazers, uh, a, 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 a game uh, and, and fine fellow uh, whose name I don't recall. Um, you know, he'd been the voice of the Trailblazers probably for, you know, 25 years at that point. And, uh, you know, I had called and, and left a couple of messages for him, explained who I was. I, I wanted to ask about his last trip to uh, Japan with, with the team. And he called and he left a couple of uh, quotes on my, my uh, answering machine. This is back in the mid 90s. And we had these answering machines which actually picked up your landline and uh 
recorded a message. What did, so it, anyway, what did, it, what, what did it store the message on? Uh, this may have been a tape. I'm thinking it was a tape. Mm. So you kind of had to make sure your tapes were in good shape. Otherwise, they could break and you'd miss messages. Anyway, he was... Uh, like I said, he was, he was, you know, he, I mean, he, he was a good guy. He was, he was a real sport, uh, no pun intended, but he goes, <clears throat> hang on, I gotta, <clears throat> let me clear my throat because uh, he really brought um, quite a bit of verve. Uh, he says, uh, NBA in the, in Japan was fantastic. My dog got excited. She agrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, no, he's just uh, a real uh, pitch man, uh, real mm -hmm. real sales force for the game. Uh, Trailblazer basketball is back. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Um. But I wanted to tell a Bob Costa story. Okay. Okay. So because so, I want to tell I want to tell an answering machine story, but that's we'll go back to that. Now let's do answering machine first. Okay. So when Sarah and I got married, we um we got an answering. I mean, we were married in the late 90s, and so you know, people still had answering machines back then. And we got a a, a digital one. So it didn't have tapes, but it rather had just a little bit of, you know, storage on it where people could leave a message. Wow. That's must be nice. Oh, we did register at Target. <laughs> so, you know, we were able to get some pretty nice things. <laughs> so the thing, though, with this digital answering machine is that it was it was sensitive to uh, the volume of the person who was leaving the message. And so if someone was leaving a message, but they like paused for a while, it sensed that they were done and it would cut them off. Or if they weren't speaking loud enough, it would cut them off. So we had been married a couple of weeks and we get the answer machine set up. And, and, and Sarah's mother, who I don't believe is a listener to this show, um, but... She, I don't think she would mind me telling the story anyway. She, she would call and leave a message that sounded something like this. Sarah, it's your mom. I'm just calling to say that I miss you. But she would speak in a low tone and with these long pauses as she gathered and collected her emotions and collected her thoughts. And that it would just, it, so when we go back to listen to it, it would sound like this. Sarah, this is your mom. I'm just calling to tell you that I miss beep. <laughs> and then she called back a few minutes later. Sarah, I don't know if that worked okay, but I'm just thinking about you. Beep. <laughs> and we would go and we would laugh. What callow use? Oh, I know it. Yeah. Uh, to be young. <laughs> uh, your kids will never treat you that way. No, of course not. No, no way. No way. They'll just be like so excited to have, a, have another voicemail from dad. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. I wonder what he's got to say for me to me now. Yeah. Except for I wouldn't send them or leave them a voicemail. I'd send them a a TikTok or something. <laughs> I'd send them a Tic Tac. They'd love it. Um, so, Brian, <laughs> if I understand the nature of your previous answering machine, it would have trouble picking up an entire message from my father. <laughs> it would have given him six seconds and that's it. 
it's about what I give him. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> Bob Costas in the late 80s had a, uh, a talk show, a chat show that was kind of in the kind of almost like the Dick Cavett show, which is like going all the way back to the 60s and 70s. And there's some great clips from the from Dick Cavett uh, on um, YouTube, if if anyone's interested. I think um, I think I saw I think I saw uh, a Tom Waits uh, interview with Dick Cavett. Does that sound like something? Mm -hmm. I, well, I mean, Dick uh, Tom Waits is no spring chicken but i mean it would have had to have been a pretty young tom waits uh yeah he had a lot of people on and he's i mean dick cavett was incredibly smart and literate and we got to remember that there was a time when the chat shows wouldn't just have you know instagrammable celebrities on you know pitching a movie or whatever but they would like have authors and like i remember seeing ralph nader on uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, you know that's you know my my lands. I mean, what did Carson sign off in ninety two mm -hmm. or so? Because yeah, and Jay Leno took over. So anyway, Costas had an NBC show that was on probably after the Tonight Show and maybe even after something else. Uh, in the seventies, Tom. A guy named Tom Snyder had something called the Tomorrow Show, which was kind of a play on the fact that it was airing after midnight. So you could, you know, so it was the next day, right? Get it tomorrow. So um, anyway, uh, Costas was uh, very literate um, and he had Paul Simon on. As I've said before, Paul Simon uh, is, you know, one of my favorite uh, uh, musicians. Uh, he's a great songwriter. He's a great writer. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, just always kind of dug him. Mm -hmm. Well, so, so Costas is talking to him and, uh, they had, it was a couple of things that, uh, I remember. So, uh, he, he met, uh, Paul Simon met Joe DiMaggio at least once, and DiMaggio was real hesitant because, of course, in the song Mrs. Robinson, which was a huge hit and probably would have been even if it hadn't been a part of the soundtrack to The Graduate, which is like this great baby boomer piece of art um, with Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft and the exquisite well, Anne Bancroft was exquisite, but so was Catherine Ross. Uh, but that movie, man, you want to talk about it? I, I don't think it holds up. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't think it holds up. Anyway, uh, Mrs. Robinson, um, the song, uh, Mrs. Robinson, uh, he says, uh, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. And uh, DiMaggio kind of thought that he was making fun of him. I mean, here's this, you know, here's a, a hippie, uh, some long hair, and he doesn't get it. And uh, so he was he was reluctant to meet Paul Simon, but you know, ultimately they met and were very nice to one another. Uh, Paul Simon said that Mickey Mantle was really his guy uh, mm. growing up uh, out. I, I think Paul Simon's originally from Pennsylvania, but you know, uh, would have moved to Granite's Village as a young man. Uh, in the 60s. Um, and uh, there uh, he would, he became a, a Mickey Mantle fan. So uh, Costas and he uh, spoke about uh, Mickey Mantle. Anyway, Costas asked him, and I just think this is like such a, a great thing about life and getting older and getting wiser. Okay. So Costa says, are there any songs that you wrote that make you cringe when you hear them now? And Paul Simon gave kind of like a long and expansive uh, answer saying, well, I try not to cringe because after all, that's who you were at the time. 
and and the and the, the the thoughts and the feelings were who you were and who you were is part of becoming who you are now and and, and so it was it was a well thought out and uh uh accepting of one's youthful self kind of answer mm -hmm. and then he goes nevertheless i surely do don't need to hear i am a rock or feeling groovy <laughs> and i just thought that's awesome too Mm -hmm. because uh because there are things that um we say and do uh, who's uh, well uh, mrs winger and i were just talking the other day or in fact it was yesterday i mean just about uh, i don't know a, a young i mean oh uh, we we're talking about her niece and her husband and you know they're they're moving and you know, um, they don't know where they're going to move yet and what they're going to do when they get there and how much help they're going to need. I mean, they're probably going to end up in the Dallas area. So, you know, we might be able to give them a hand and we're happy to do so. I mean, these, this is like, this is like the, the niece who's got it most together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, but she's like, Mrs. Winger says, um, you know, they're kids, you know, you know, they're, they're leaning on 30. Uh, but she's like, you know, they're kids. They don't know. I mean, they do dumb stuff. I'm like, you know, you're telling me, you know, and then I talk about every 30 year old I know who's just, you know, just got like stupid ideas about themselves and their expectations out of life and everything else. And she's like, she says, you know, we probably did dumb stuff when we were that age too. Like, <laughs> You, you think? I said, you know, you're not making this any easier. And she didn't ask me what wasn't any easier. And of course, the answer is being me. Speaking of Paul Simon and Dick Cavett, have, did you see like a um, like a little clip that was floating around the internet recently? from uh, Paul Simon on the Dick Cavett show where he explains his process for writing Bridge Over Troubled Water. Have you, did you, have you seen that? You know, I think I did, but tell me it's, about it. Uh, it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I just, I just started thinking about it and it was just, it was really interesting. And I think that the point that, that at least the person who was highlighting that video was saying is that if you want to be good at something, you have to draw on um, people who really do it well, not necessarily have something derivative of, of what they do or, or copy or whatever, but you, you have to have a knowledge of, of the subject. Um, because he was talking about like old blues stuff from the thirties and forties and, um, but, but isn't something like from Brahms or somebody, I mean, mm -hmm. isn't, yeah, was that who it is? Yeah. That I, if, if I remember the video correctly is that he, there were like four things, kind of obscure things, but things that musicians know about that he says, yeah, you know what, I was thinking about these three notes and how it sounds in this song. And then he plays a little bit of his guitar and then he says, and so then I kind of tweaked it to turn into something like this. Um, and it was just, it, as somebody who appreci really appreciates music, but cannot play an instrument or has never had the self-discipline to sit down and play an instrument. It was, it was very, very interesting and, and fascinating to see his mind go from one thing to another to another that seemed to be totally disconnected because they were spread out over decades, if not hundreds of years, but it was good. Yeah. You know, what would be awesome is if we put a link to that in our show notes. I don't know. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that means that this would be a multimedia podcast. Uh, is anybody doing anything like that? Would we be the first? I don't know. Um, I'm sure that we would be, uh, yeah, it would be among the, uh, the radical, <laughs> we would really be, uh, ground, groundbreaking. The first guy through the wall always gets bloodied. 
I've just lost the last game of the season for two years in a row. Get her a bowling ball for all I care. <laughs> Man. That, that last scene is so great. It is. I love, I, I know. I actually, I didn't, I'd never seen that actor who played the own. Okay. So by the way, we're talking about the money, movie Moneyball. We're talking about the ending of the movie Moneyball. So if you haven't seen it, this could spoil it for you. Like, uh, so I don't know, fast forward three minutes. Um, I'd never seen that actor before. The guy who plays the owner of the Red Sox. John Henry. You know him? The owner of the Red Sox? No, the actor, you knucklehead. I don't know either one of them. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I actually, I don't. I don't. Is the same guy still on him? Uh, yeah, I think he does. I mean, but, I mean, it's isn't it some sort of consortium? I mean, doesn't... Um, LeBron James own part of the Red Sox. Okay. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know who that actor is. And I, mm -hmm. I thought he's really good. He's really interesting. What else has he been in? And like the, I looked at his IMDB page and the only thing that I, the only work that I've recognized that or the only work that he's done, the title of which I recognized was a show that was on HBO called True Blood. So I don't know any of his other work. I, I recognize him, but I don't, you know, I don't know him either. I thought that he did a great job. Were you job. surprised that he wasn't a sexy vampire? <laughs> no. I, I thought that he played a, he was able to convey a billionaire obsessed with winning very well in the six minutes that he was on the screen yeah yeah well and just just the uh the nonchalance the insouciance of a dignified fellow mm -hmm. who just sent uh, a limousine for brad pitt and um uh you know he shows him around the uh the ball uh, fenway park and then uh says uh, uh uh, Suzanne, we're going to, we'd like some coffee. And then, um, you know, he says, we're going to have some lunch later, but you know, he's uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was... He, when, when the Red Sox won, I think they're, when they broke the curse of the Bambino, right? So they won in 2004. What, what are you laughing at? Do you mind, do you mind if I diverge? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. On Saturday Night Live, when Horatio Sands, the, the underrated Horatio Sands, was still on Saturday Night Live, um, he played the ghost of Babe Ruth, who, who, who was on Weekend Update with um, Rachel Dratch was on his arm, and she was like the ghost of a hooker. And uh, the ghost of Babe Ruth was drunk. And... Uh, uh, they say, what happened? What happened to the curse of the Bambino? And he's like, look, I thought I had done enough. I I gave Johnny Damon that lady's haircut. Because, <laughs> you know, Johnny Damon was wearing a shag, inexplicably wearing a shag, you know, that, that, that season. Uh, but it just turns out that the ghost of... Uh, Babe Ruth was uh, hung over or still in bed or something. And so he couldn't curse the <laughs> 2004 Red Sox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's why I was laughing, Brian, go okay. ahead. So when they, when they won the world series in, a, I think it was 2004 and this was a big deal. They hadn't, they hadn't done anything for over a hundred years or whatever it was. Um, Theo Epstein, who was the, the young genius GM, who got them the title, who assisted in getting them the title, um, who I think was like 35 years old or something like that at the time. Now this, is, now, this isn't the guy that the Jonah Hill character is based on. This is a, a different wonderkind. It is, uh, but somebody who adapted the same yeah, yeah, philosophy yeah. of Bill James. Yeah. So um, he... Uh, they do the trophy presentation and then they bring out the champagne and everything. And Theo Epstein 
dumps a bunch of champagne on John W. Henry's head. That's and the owner. That's, that's the, the owner. O- that's the billionaire owner, the dignified gentleman. <laughs> and and I've tried to find a clip of it, and I and I haven't been able to find it. But he is not happy, <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, no." <laughs> So, so the last time that Tom Landry had a measure of success um, before the purge, what year would that have been? That would have been the early nineties, right? That maybe maybe eighty nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so Bill Parcells had been getting the Gatorade showers before then. Mm -hmm. So. The Cowboys ha- were winning something that was going to like propel them to the uh, playoff game for the first time in several years. And you saw players coming up behind him with like the big Gatorade container. And people are like, I mean, like, uh, who was it? And it may have been, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it was Dan Deardorff or not, uh, but you know you see guys like coming up behind him with the with the Gatorade and 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 the announcers are just like oh you got to be kidding me this is this place is gonna you know because because this is before the NFL started making coaches uh wear NFL gear so you know Tom Landry of course would always dress for business he always wore a suit he wore that and uh people were just expecting some sort of like metaphysical crisis when tom landry of all people uh got the gatorade uh shower well uh the cameraman snuck up on it and and it wasn't filled with gatorade the uh, big cooler it was filled with towels so they were going to dump towels on it and uh at at which point the announcer was like oh it's towels (laughs) It's so lame. Bunch of cowards. <laughs> Chicken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, do you do you have a working familiarity with this show called Molly's Game? Um, I think I might have watched a few bits here and there while I was flipping around on the channels. Yeah. 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 That 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 uh, that makes sense. Uh, so at the beginning, uh, so Molly Bloom was in fact a competitive downhill skier. And University University of Colorado's own. That's right. That's right. Um, is there? Does the NCAA have ski teams? Uh, yeah. Or do they just have long-haired potheads in the mountains and the Olympic teams draw from them? Is there there a difference? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like it's human growth hormone. Okay, so, so some more great radio while you uh are yes yes they do yes what the ncaa has the ncaa has skiing programs yes well let's hear it for student athletes most of whom yeah so anyway so molly blue uh so so there was um uh just an interesting opening about how um like the the worst thing in sports uh and how uh you know is it is it worse to be swept in the best of seven uh is it worse to lose game seven of a of a best of seven uh uh the worst thing that can happen to argentina is if brazil wins and not just against Argentina, but if Brazil wins ever against anybody. 
so he goes through all these things and then of course it it, it incorporates her own um experience and the freak accident that uh changed the no no well again no pun intended but the entire trajectory of her life mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was interesting uh, her, her her brother was a, a really good skier for um or he was a he was a great football player for cu and uh didn't he play for the eagles too didn't he play i think I'm pretty sure he was drafted and maybe ran back a couple of kicks um, in the NFL. Um, might have gotten his. Uh, yeah, he was on the Eagles and the Steelers. Was the other brother like a brain surgeon or something unbelievable? Um, I don't know. I don't see okay. that. Okay. All right. So. Um... Do, do you remember, I see, I don't really remember the story, but was it covered more closely in Colorado? Of, of Molly or Jeremy? Well, well, Molly. Mm -mm. No, I mean, so when no. she got busted by the feds and. Yeah, I, because I think she was, I think that she had kind of like, I mean, didn't have the internet then. And so things like this may have been picked up, but because it wasn't, didn't wait wait what do you mean he didn't have the internet then in the early 90s is that when it was mm -hmm. 90s well hold on i don't know i thought it was well certainly in the parts of the movie that i saw oh never mind 2008 so really brian the internet was pretty well along i don't know it seems like the internet's only like a couple years old <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I just think sometimes I just think about what 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 can be accomplished when this thing really reaches maturity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so so uh, no, it it was. I don't remember it getting picked up here. Okay. Okay. So she had stopped being a a Colorado. Because even though Colorado is a great national brand on par with uh, uh, New York City, California, the Lone Star State of Texas, um, you see a lot of Colorado hats. You see a lot of Colorado t-shirts. Um, the color scheme. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, the the Missouri state flag is like the worst combination of the French and Confederate flags. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's the show me state, but it ought to be called the we'll win a war yet state. <laughs> Too soon, too soon. I was so so. I, I type in uh, Missouri State flag just to get an idea of what it looks like because I couldn't recall it. You know, from my third grade uh, social studies class. <laughs> and how do you find it, Brian? Not great. Um, so Google will give you like uh, the first image is is a pillow with the state seal and. A couple of bears are those bears i don't know a pillow a picture of the flag and then a pair of leggings <laughs> with blue white red and then the seal right in the middle unusual would you agree with my uh with my uh i mean do, do you see as i do um Yeah, it's not great. It's a combination of uh, uh, Confederate and French flags. Do you see it? I see it. Or, or is it just another case of me wanting to see something? <laughs> nope. It's uh, it's 
It's displeasing. See, I don't even know what. I don't even know what. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. Well, look. Um, this has been interesting. This yeah, has been fun. I've had fun. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I was hoping to talk about, we didn't, and uh, we're not going to have time. But uh, one of the re- uh, Mrs. Winger shared a uh, an art an article with me talking about why the Finns have been the happiest people on Earth for the last four years, and it's not because they're like especially happy. It's because they're content because they manage their expectations. And so they say, well, there's nothing to complain about. So we must be happy. Carry on. Carry on and don't complain. Wait, keep calm and don't complain on. I'm going to work on it. But I, I sense some merch, some, some managing expectations merch out of this. I'll tell you what, they put uh, the Missouri State flag on a pair of leggings. Maybe you could do <laughs> something. You know, I wonder if Mrs. So uh, several years ago, I bought Mrs. Winger a uh, uh, Lone Star uh, bikini. And I wonder if she still has it. Hmm. that can make a nice gift you know that that clothing brand juicy did well in the in the early 2000s (laughs) before the internet brian the internet as before the internet as we know it today is probably what i should have said (laughs) whatever that means before darpa Molly Bloom was a very competitive skier. All right, that's enough of this nonsense. It's enough. Yeah. Uh, listen, thank you for joining us. This has been Managing Expectations, the podcast. Um, it's been brought to you by me, Jeff Winger, and the aide de camp, Brian Grimm. Everybody else can just go pound sand. I'm just tired of it. Just, just, just had it. But you know what? If you like this, if you want more of this, if you like it, you love it, and you want more of it, we would ask you to share it with a friend. You know, if you if you if you liked it, give us a good review. Um, but really, share it with a friend. We'd love to get our our numbers up as far as that goes. Um, we um, can be found, as you probably know on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Brian? Stitcher. Stitcher. That's a platform. That's a Podbean. Podbean.com. Wherever Mm -hmm. you get your podcasts, we're probably there. So thank you. And until next time, this is, uh, well, you, you already know. This is Jeff Winger. Have a great night, great day, and a pleasant tomorrow. Whatever. Courage. What's the Kenneth? What's the Kenneth frequency? I think what Jeff is trying to say is, let's go to work. <laughs>